it's just all about being in the moment and experiencing things as they are and not as you want them to be and realizing that everything is always forever changing so no matter what the situation is at the moment it's going to change eventually whether it be in the next second in the next minute in the next year or whatever um, and you can't control that you can't change that that was tim lepper this is doug the podcast and welcome to Dug It, episode 4 with Tim Lepper. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time from Japan or wherever you are around the world, uh, this podcast is about celebrating the doers of the world. Um, so often we talk about, I say we, so often, um, <laughs> but there is a stereotype of success is the best and the brightest um the ducks of the schools the star athletes uh whoever it may be but this is not about the ducks it's about the people herding ducks with a smile on their face uh the ones who have found the real meaning of happiness which you know sometimes we forget and i don't think it's taught in schools i don't think um it's even even if we do know it we kind of get wrapped up in this day-to-day existence uh so easily so this podcast is meant to be a a refreshing kind of enlightenment piece to to get you thinking differently to maybe search for happiness for fun uh where you might not have been looking for uh looking at before and today before we get started on tim uh, you might have seen Mick Fanning in the WSL, the Pro World Surf League Tour, get attacked by a shark, a great white shark at J-Bay um, in South Africa recently. And, uh, I mean, you got to check, check it out if you haven't seen it before. It was bananas, like, scare you out of your pyjamas bananas. Um, and... It was interesting after watching the footage, I was at the yoga studio and I just felt this big kind of wave and smile come over my face and this euphoric ecstasy that I felt like I'd just had a new lease of life, a really good lease, like a Toyota signature class, all the bells and whistles, go off road, do whatever you want kind of lease. Um, Because there's always that fear there, there's always sharks in the water, but it brings me back to this quote that worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles, it takes away today's peace. And even seeing this shark and McFanning's kind of shock and just just thrilled to be alive, I wasn't scared of, I wasn't feeling any fear of sharks really or, or um, adversity and wanting to be wrapped up in a cotton blanket. Quite the opposite, it was feeling the fear and doing it anyway, knowing it's there, it's always there, and uh, just having fun on the way. And it's almost a liberating feeling. Those little day-to-day chores and and and, and things that get you down just kind of pale into insignificance in the front of a huge <laughs> 800 pounds of uh, dentistry. Um, for me, you know, maybe it's like being rejected from a date or as a yoga teacher 
<laughs> the nuances maybe you farted in class um that's a that's a real thing you got to not eat before you do yoga trust me people it's uh that's just an unwritten rule but you got to learn from these things and and uh recently seeing my granddad um losing his memory and and there's just these sad sad things that are reality but you can't worry about them it, it it takes you out of the now. You just need to enjoy what's what's right in front of you. And I think on my little sharky segue, coming back to Tim Lepper, I think he's a perfect example of that. He kind of gets out there and does it. Um, he comes from a family of uh, go-getters. Uh, they're, they're certainly one to put their hands up for a gliding trip or for waterfall or sliding down a dam on skis or... Um, I don't know, anything and everything. Tying a weight ball across a lake by building some kind of contraption that ties into the back of a four-wheel drive. Whatever it is, they'll uh, put their hand up for it. And um, and I think they're, they're pretty cool and happy people, and Tim's certainly one of them. And he was... Well, if you switch the, the jaws out uh, for... Where am I going with this? I had it all in my head. This is I just recorded this and it got deleted. Uh, the computer crashed. But if you swap J, J Bay for Japan and the C for snow, uh, Timmy had a similar kind of life-changing experience recently where he broke his back in Japan. And uh, it's a pretty scary thing. I mean, breaking your back, kind of jump to that paralysis and... You fear the worst, and obviously I did when I first heard about it. But he had, he had feeling in all the important parts, um, <laughs> which are his extremities, and um, for the ladies out there, and uh, he's all good to go. And but obviously it was a pretty scary thing, and he was stuck in Japan. He had, luckily, he had off-piste insurance, so he managed to get some good hospital care, but the. You know, the doctor was concerned that he actually was concerned that he um he wasn't uh shitting in the bedpan enough, which might have been a change of diet thing. Uh the nurses were didn't speak any English, he was uh had all kind of communication breakdowns and uh and the stuff with the insurance, but he managed to get on a business class flight back to New Zealand, uh, to the thrill of his family and, and all his friends, uh, including me. Um not the not not the way you want to fly, fly business class, but um, nevertheless, he got back. And then uh, it was interesting to note, though, he was looking at many of the adversities and and pitfalls of being stuck in a back brace, not the fact that he actually could and he would eventually walk and, and do and be back to most likely full health, but... um that he was in this position he'd lost his holiday and all these things he was going to do this year and and I guess it's a tough kind of reality check and it's easy to jump to those kind of negative conclusions and, and look at everything you're missing out on but uh, we had a dinner with Tim and Shano and Shano had invited Tim to do a 10-day silent meditation retreat um, and Shannon's a bit of an enlightened being. He's the happiest guy I know. He's also a good friend of Timmy's, and they go way back. They actually uh, flattered in together in university as well. Um, 
which at the dinner time, the conversation about having a they had a five bedroom place with about fourteen or fifteen people living in there, like double bunks in the closet. Just it was it was cr- crazy. Um, they'd eat out dog bowls to save on dishes, sleep in tree huts, tie their feet with ropes so they wouldn't fall into the river if they fell out of the tree hut sleeping. Um, just and and all the time this fat flat full of people and just carnage that uh, the boys a few of them would invite or they'd host Airbnb or couch surfer girls from overseas. <laughs> and you could imagine the experience of these girls coming into this flat in the middle of the night. Uh, I was in, when they were telling me these stories, I was in stitches of laughter. I had to leave the room. It was the best ab workout I've, I've, I've had. I couldn't breathe, though. It was dangerous. It was dangerous comedy, that serious. Um but that's for a later podcast with Shana. We'll get into the nitty and gritty of that. Um, but so so Shana invited him to to join him on this retreat because obviously he couldn't do a lot with his broken back and saw it as a you know kind of how flip the perspective as a obstacle as an opportunity as they would say in Zen and um, and managed to convince him to sign up for it. But he still wasn't in till the day before Shana had already left up north and I'd happened to delay my trip a day because I was going back to Auckland uh, also and Tim called me up to say he'd been accepted in this course and was looking to try and find a ride up and it just, you know, the stars aligned that he would, uh, that we could drive up together and, and it was cool, I'd given him the Headspace podcast, he'd done three 10 minute meditations so that the, the Headspace pod, uh, sorry, Headspace app is a awesome app if you haven't uh, tried meditation or you just, uh, wanting something else to check out it's really good so he'd done that but that was it so we drove up no expectations I think not knowing what what was going to happen I think his parents thought like they're pretty open-minded but I don't know if they knew a lot about a 10-day silent meditation retreat I thought they might (laughs) thought he might have turned into a loony and cut all his hair off which he kind of joked about um but he got up there he did it and I was super excited to hear how he got on and his experience of it because it's something I'm interested in and a lot of my friends have done it or are looking into it and uh, just a break from life and the funny thing is that you think of sharks and backflipping and paralysis and these crazy dangers and possibilities out there but the thing people are most scared of is probably sitting with themselves for 10-15 minutes with just with their thoughts so let alone a 10-day silent meditation retreat. For many, that seems just beyond. Um, it's an Everest of a mental mountain to climb. But it's uh, it's amazing what you can do when you get beyond the thought. So uh, without too many more sharky tales, um, We'll get stuck into uh, Tim's experience on breaking his back and breaking the back of a 10-day meditation retreat. Um, and I'm happy to, to let you know that he's had his back brace off recently. We actually had a game of golf uh, this past weekend, which was very cool to see him up and about and moving. And um, and he's kept up the meditation practice to some extent, but I'll, uh, I'll let you hear it from the, the dog's mouth, as it were. So without further ado... Here is Tim Nepper. Enjoy.
a cup of tea in the 2015 US Open on the on the computer. How's it going? Got Spieth tied for the lead and and Grace. Could be an so, interesting game, eh? So come down to the wire. But um the Timmy's off the back of a broken back in a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat. Healing up nicely, Doug. <laughs> Healing up nicely. <laughs> so you're going to have some insights today. Um, I guess we'll start with the, the adventures in Japan, which led to your uh, somewhat demise. Yeah. Um, early return flight home business class. Business class flight but not the, not the way you want to do it. Yeah. No. I'd like so, to I'd like to not have to have insurance pay for my <laughs> my next business class ride, that's for sure. So you were working come out for a couple of years of working in Aussie and Geo. Yeah. And decide to take yeah. a break and wanted to go see the world, do this travel thing that everyone talks about, I guess. Um, headed to Japan. Do some skiing, best power in the world over there. And pretty much got through the season and then trying a backflip, landed upside down and the rest was history. Crushed the vertebrae, 10 days in hospital, and then flew home. But the, I mean, it wasn't like you were a novice at backflips either. No, I'd done, a, I'd done a few, run before actually on the same jump. And I don't know what happened on this one, it just all went pear-shaped and... Freaked out in the air, came down upside down. And then he said, so you knew it felt different than mm. a normal fall. Yeah, yeah, instantly it was pretty clear that something was wrong. So uh, didn't, didn't move at all, called Ski Patrol. Got rescued, uh, mate of mine had actually witnessed a pretty similar injury. So he, he was sort of like, mate, don't, don't want you moving, I think you've done something to your back. Um, and I sort of knew Knew instantly as well. It was not, not something I wanted to be testing. Get it checked out. And then, yeah, the, the x-ray showed pretty clearly that there was a bit of a deformity on one of the vertebrae. So they did an MRI and a CAT scan. And that all confirmed it. That it was a T12 injury. And then you knew... They kind of tell you you'd be okay from... Yeah, well, initially, I mean, obviously, with any sort of back injury, it's whether you can feel your your extremities, so even lying there in the snow, wriggling the toes and fingers and moving my legs and whatnot, um, it was a pretty good indication, I guess, straight away that it wasn't too serious. Um, but they sort of said the same thing. I mean, it was a bit of Chinese whispers between... Well, Japan the, whispers. <laughs> yeah, Japan <laughs> whispers. Between the doctors and myself, I mean, they always had to have a translator there to, to speak. And, um, yeah, it was always... It was quite hard and quite concerning that the information you were getting across was correct, I guess. Mm. Um, but on return to New Zealand, the doctor here, my specialist here, just gave credit to the Japanese and what they did and the, and the way they went about it. So that gave me a lot of confidence, yeah. Cool. Yeah, because yeah, I, I was thinking that when your sister said you had broken your back, I was like, just kind of mentioned it in conversation. I yeah. was like, shit, was that... How, how obviously there's various levels of yeah. uh, severity, but I was thinking that um, was that wakeboarder from New Zealand recently? Yeah, you had, you had a yeah, campaign, I'm, and it was probably oh, I think he's trying to make a recovery, but he's pretty much paralyzed from yeah, that. Yeah, he's pretty much lost all feeling in the 
lower half or most of his body, I think. I think he's just got some movement back in his arms. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the things as well. Like you tell people you broke your back, and they're sort of like, "But you're up and walking, and you, I just saw you on the piss that night." Um, so yeah, it's always I always try and you know downplay it a little bit because as soon as you say the words "broken back," it people all of a sudden think wheelchair and yeah and Stephen Hawking's or whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the X-ray show I can prove it. To yeah, you. <laughs> show and broken back. Um, and then so what was your initial reaction was because you said you were pretty gutted that you'd done it but your mum was I remember I think your mum was just thankful that it wasn't worse like what mm. is your perspective like my initial did, reaction was unlucky oh, I'm unlucky yeah. to do this yeah this why did this happen to me I guess yeah um like I was disappointed in myself I guess that I caused this injury to myself like it wasn't snow conditions it wasn't doing yeah. anything stupid it was just I don't know my skills my in the moment my thing my body reacting to a way that I guess caused it to happen so mm. that's what I couldn't I couldn't get my head around that for a little while to be honest yeah it was all it was all a little bit hard and then everyone kept saying you're, you're lucky and I was like oh, nah I'm unlucky this shouldn't <laughs> this, this shouldn't have happened well it's probably quite hard when you're by yourself and bedridden mm. with People that barely speak English yeah. in a foreign hospital and wanting to... Then there was a bit of issue with your insurance and trying yeah, to get back. A, and, yeah, but luckily, that. you said you had the off-piece insurance and were pretty was pretty set up because we were talking about that story the other night of a guy who broke his femur and he mm. had, didn't have the off-piece insurance for... And they literally wouldn't let him out of the country. A lot of fundraising and stuff. So, yeah, I was, I was well, fortunate that I'd taken out those policies to cover myself. So yeah, insurance is key. And then you say you got back to New Zealand in one piece and then you've been at home pretty much with the back brace. Yeah, so the Japanese, um, it was 10 days in bed rest and they came in and measured me up and created a, a corset, I guess, a plastic corset with four big Velcro straps on the front that went from my waist to under my armpit. Um, and that was just to immobilise that area of the back so that no further damage would, would occur initially. Um, so that was worn pretty much 24-7. Sleeping and showering was all I would take it off for. And then, um, yeah, got back to New Zealand, saw the specialist. He just wanted me to take time just to sit on the couch, little walks here and there, not doing anything that causes pain, and just let it heal. I mean, he, was, he sort of put in perspective, he's like, take three months out of your life when you're 50, and you've got a good back that you've, hasn't given you any sort of grief or try and do everything now and when you're 50 you've spent the last 10 years battling with a sore back doing all this stuff and I was kind of like okay I can I can understand that <laughs> yeah I'll take the three months now and for the 10 years later yeah. on um, so yeah he he um, put me 12 weeks in the brace which came up just the other day so I got the brace off after not doing a lot for 12 weeks and started rehab, which has been, which has been good. It's been good. It's nice to get back in the gym and start shifting some turn, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's very little at the moment. Five kgs on the on the bicep curl. <laughs> Big gains are coming up. I'm sure. That's um, good to see you walking about, buddy. Yeah. But and then in the interim, so our mutual friend Shana, who's a bit of a enlightened he's a, being, he's a spiritual um, guy. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, managed to throw out the idea of Vipassana, 10-day silent meditation retreat. Yeah. Um, and what what was your reaction when you mm. first uh, Mine, <laughs> threw that on the My initial reaction was, nah, bro, I'm not doing that shit, eh? I mean, I've, I've never really meditated or had a spiritual feeling. Well, I don't know, before I've always sort of gone rip shit and bust in my sport and whatnot. And, um, yeah, he was sort of like, come do this 10-day silent meditation course. And I was like, fuck, no. There's no way I'm doing that. And I talked to a few people, yourself included, um, and everyone was sort of like, well, why not? You're not really doing much at the moment. It's not like you can go for a run or go for a bike or you cannot ski. Why not train the mind? So I sort of started thinking that it could be a good idea. But then, yeah, we... You kind of talked about how it hadn't been accepted yet, and it was like the day before. Yeah, yeah. so I, I eventually decided to apply online and got the email back saying you're on the wait list um, for any cancellations. Um, so the course was starting on a Wednesday. Uh, on the Tuesday night, I rang her up, the course, the lady up there, and she was sort of like, no, nah, there's still no free spots available. And I was kind of, in my mind, I was kind of like, okay, well, it's not going to happen overnight. So we kind of started planning things for the week. Next day on the Wednesday, the day the course was starting, at 6 p.m. that night, I got the email saying, can you get to Auckland? I rang Shano, he was already north of Pew Pew, um, and then managed to sort of get in touch with, with Doug here. And he was going to Auckland half an hour after I called him. I was like, I'm coming with you. This just sort of all fell into place. It was a little bit like, like it was meant to be, I guess. Yeah, I thought that was quite cool. Hey, we mm. rang another mutual friend to see if he was going That's and then... Right. Yeah, I decided to stay an extra day in in uh, in Paradise in New Plymouth, and um, yeah, so we yeah, so we yeah we drove up. It was a fun trip, and then there was some good conversations. And then, uh, in yeah, house, wasn't it? <laughs> and then yeah, I was pretty stoked that I mean I've done a bit of meditation and especially on the yoga retreats and what have and training. But certainly nothing equivalent to ten days silent meditation. So I was pretty, uh, pretty impressed that you'd gone balls to the wall and and jumped right in the deep end. Um, and then so yeah, we arrived up pretty late that last night, and you managed to hit rubber Shana for the last part of the trip. And then, and then I guess what's uh, how was it? Well, we were very late. <laughs> which was kind of acceptable because I'd been told very late that I was going. Um, literally arrived in the, at the centre, threw our bags in a room we'd been allocated and had to run in the rain to the meditation hall because they'd already gone in for the group, first group meditation. And I'd come off the back of three 10-minute sessions of meditation and all of a sudden we're expected to be doing 10 hours a day. So it was, um, yeah, it was very, very interesting. Um, there was 35 guys and about 40 girls doing the oh, course. Oh, well, that, many, that many people. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, few, a few guys, return students, would be the servers and cook the meals and stuff. Literally, for the 10 days, it's 10 hours of meditation a day um, and then three meal breaks, and that's it. There's no reading, no writing, no listening to anything, no cell phones. You don't have to cook. You don't have to clean. It's just... You and your thoughts for, for 10 days. 
whilst they teach you this uh, Vipassana meditation technique. So yeah, it was um, it was ex- well, it wasn't extreme. It was um, it was enjoyable. It was it was a challenge for sure. But the, the no speaking was interesting. When no one's speaking to you, you don't really need to speak. The parts I found hard about that was just the no good mornings, no oh, excuse me or I'm sorry I bumped into you. Um, but other than that, it was, it was probably a little bit of communication with yourself. It was occasionally an outburst of, what am I doing? This is crazy. <laughs> but other than that, the no speaking wasn't too bad. And yeah, so you mentioned a few times that Obviously, the first day is probably the novelty of it. Yeah. And then you said, what what day was it the most challenging? You thought was it the third day? Yeah, there was uh, the first day. We was sort of still interested, and I was mm. I was pretty open to what everyone else was doing and thinking. Where some people were very closed book, just trying to stay within themselves for the whole day. Um, day two and three, I was sort of questioning what I was doing there. Um, day four I really enjoyed it was when they sort of changed and taught you the new technique the first three days is sort of preparing your mind and preparing yourself for the Vipassana technique um, so before that the first three days was it just it was more focused uh, I think they called it hmm, I can't remember the, the name of the technique it was it was similar but it was just focused on a very small area of the body rather than the feelings throughout the body you say the um, nose was it yeah. the nose and lips? The nose point? and upper lips. So it's all about the breathing and the and the state of the breathing as it is at that moment, rather than what you'd want it to be or what it you know it was just exactly as it was. Um, so that was that started to get boring a little bit, I feel. And then on the fourth day, when they taught me the vipassana technique, it was more about the whole body and feelings throughout the whole body. And the fourth day was really cool. I started getting these crazy feelings and these, I sort of started to experience it a little bit and I was excited and it was good. The fourth day was a good day. It was a big day, but it was a good day. So, and so run us through a normal, a normal day. You're up at four. A normal schedule, yeah. So four o'clock, the gong would ring. 4.30, meditation would start in the hall. Uh, it was a two-hour block there till 6.30 and then it was breakfast until 8.00. Um, eight to nine, oh, eight to eleven was another meditation session. Um, yeah, eleven to one, lunch and shower and whatnot, and then the afternoon again, similar. Till five, another meditation session, a little break for a tea break, some fruit, no, no real dinner, um, and then a big group meditation and a video discourse in the evening, and then it all finished about nine o'clock. Sleep by nine thirty to wake up. Four in the morning, the next morning. That was that was hard initially. Yeah. I mean, I'd been healing, so I guess I sleep until eleven a.m. wasn't out of the ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> so when that gong went off at four, it wasn't that enjoyable. I actually did miss the first one of the meditation sessions. I'd missed the gong, and my alarm didn't go off. Woke up and only just made breakfast, but <laughs> that was right. Yeah, only getting two meals a day. Don't really want to miss. Yeah, the, definitely the didn't the want to miss that one. Um, and what? How about the sitting? Because and especially with your back, because mm. um, one of the, I mean, looking to flotation tanks and things that often can can help you get beyond the physical I sensations. Would have loved because, the flotation yeah. tank. Because 
Man, after half an hour, if you're in a cross-legged position, you're not quite propped up right, it can, uh, it can get pretty uncomfortable and then your mind starts to... Yeah, that was, um, that was one of the funny things, actually. I had a chair. Because you had my, the back brace on as well. Yeah, I had, a brace, yeah. I had the brace still on and I had a chair and I was sitting at the back of the hall. Yeah. And um, initially everyone's given a, quite a large square mat, I guess, to sit on with one cushion and a blanket. Yeah. Um, so everyone for the first initial session and most of the first day sort of tried to stay just with that. Um, and then in a room out the back, they had hundreds more cushions and blankets and back supports and little stools that you could sit on. Build yourself a little pillow yeah, castle and if you want. The thrones that <laughs> started to be built throughout the days were quite impressive. Yeah. Every day there would be more pillows and more cushions and someone else has got a backrest. And being at the back, it was quite interesting to see the development of the yeah. thrones. <laughs> yeah, time-lapse video of yeah. the room would be quite good. And yeah, it would have been being built. Would have been great. Uh, yeah, one of my old girlfriends. That was one of the things she commented on was like how you get to build this fort at the end and yeah. like try and work out the perfect way to sit and, and build it. But it's it's amazing when you were talking about it and then and when I first had it mentioned to me and again I thought it was crazy. I hadn't got into yoga at this point and then I found out most of my flatmates had done it by chance which oh, and really? then yeah our family friends our mutual friends Ken Harvey yeah, yeah, okay yeah. she um, was one of the ones who sort of put you on put me on to going actually doing it rather than just yeah yeah young like, and old yeah exactly it's interesting and um, I think we're talking the car up whether I don't know whether it's getting older or just that more people are open to different experiences and being more in tune with yeah I definitely think it's spirituality or their body or whatever it is but less stigma attached or there's more I think a lot more people are open to it now mm. and with the amount of research you can do pretty easily at your fingertips a lot more people are sort of not just listening to their parents or their grandparents on the way they yeah. should live life and actually sort of deciding how they want to live on their own on their own back in their own style I guess so that's cool so you got let's see if four days into it then you have the you start to get some more of the teachings on mm. quietening the mind and yeah so like, was the main was there a main teaching point you took out of it yeah um i guess the technique the vipassana technique came from from the buddha um two and a half thousand years ago and it was there's no religious base to it there's no mantra there's it's just all about being in the moment and experiencing things as they are and not as you want them to be and realizing that everything is always forever changing. So no matter what the situation is at the moment, it's gonna change eventually, whether it be in the next second, in the next minute, in the next year or whatever. Um, and you can't control that, you can't change that. So you can't predict the future either. So it's all about quieting the mind, being in the moment, and just understanding what you're feeling at that moment in time, rather than past moments or present moments. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry, future moments. So yeah, it was, it was really interesting and it sort of goes down to a molecular level, I guess, where it's the whole body is made up of subatomic particles which are constantly vibrating. So if you can train your mind, your subconscious and your conscious mind to connect and actually feel those vibrations, then that was sort of the teaching. And it's all about remaining equanimous and uh, uh, seeing those feelings and sensations with a, like objectionally. So you're not... You're not getting angry at a sore spot or you're not craving a good sensation. You're just 
feeling what is actually there. So you're not mm. scratching itches, you're not moving to release a pain in your shoulder because that pain will eventually go even if you don't move. That mm. itch will last maybe a minute. It was quite funny when they were like, they, they started introducing these um, sittings of determination where you try and find your pose in the first minute and stay there for the next hour. And the first ones were just, there's so much noise going around, people moving, people <laughs> shifting. And then they kind of reinforce these uh, sittings of determination, like yeah. try and stay still. And these feelings and sensations will change, so don't, don't worry about that. And then yeah. the next few sessions, it was just almost for the whole hour, it was dead quiet. And it definitely allowed you to sort of go deeper into the meditation technique and yeah. really just be in your own little zone, which was, which was cool. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's definitely when I started sort of actually understanding what they were trying to teach and, and, and getting to that, well, trying to get to that molecular level sort of, of, of sensations, subtle vibrations, whatever, throughout the whole body. Yeah, it's interesting that history you mentioned too of, I heard something similar the, the other day that Buddhism wasn't branded Buddhism until 500 mm. years on. Um, and you said there was a guy who took the teachings from, because the Buddha originally sat under, was it under a tree? Did you yeah, say so my, my understanding of it was that the Buddha was quite a spiritually enlightened person originally and quite, of a, a, quite an academic. Um, and he sat under a tree for 10 days apparently, and wasn't going to leave until he became enlightened. And he sort of developed this technique, I guess, and started teaching it throughout India. Um, I think for about 500 years it was taught in its pure form, and it started to drift further and further away from its source in India. Um, and then they, they said it got tainted with religion-based stuff, um, like the offerings and the shrines and whatnot and was stopped being taught in its natural and pure form. Mm. But it kind of got kept alive in its natural form in Myanmar, or what used to be Burma. Um, and it was taught there for about 2,000, or 1,500 years, or 2,000 years or something, I'm not sure of the exact, exact time. But about 200 years ago from present day, um, it started gaining traction in, in Myanmar or Burma, or whatever you want to call it. And I think it ended up getting into sort of like a government entity or something. A, a, govern, a government official went along to one of the courses and, and saw benefit from it, so started teaching it amongst his peers. Um, and then about 50 years ago, I suppose, um, it was the technique was sort of handed to this guy called Goenka, and he took it and developed it and kept teaching it in its natural form and pure form and took it back to India. And then he took it to the rest of the world. It started going west, and he did his first teaching in the States in the 70s and then the first in New Zealand in the 80s. And he's since passed away in 2013 and left these discourses that we'd watch every night and the voice recordings that would teach us the technique during the day. And he left it up to the meditation centers to keep continuing to teach it in its pure form so that it wouldn't get tainted again um, and that it wouldn't get lost and that everyone no matter what religion, colour or type of person you are, had the tools in which to become enlightened or mm. find their path to true happiness, which is quite cool. It's quite cool mm. how it was kept and it didn't get lost um, in history. And it's cool that now we've got the media ways of video and voice recordings that hopefully it will never ever get tainted again or that, that pure form will always be there um, for anyone to sort of benefit from. Yeah, it was cool. The centre's kind of like a karma 
Yeah. Like, you yeah, kind of pay what you can afford. <laughs> yeah. Koha. Um, it's kind of open to anybody and... Yeah, to anybody, which was very present while I was there. There, was, yeah. there were tourists that would have had very little money. Um, there were older couples from Nelson. There was, yeah, there was lots of different sort of styles of people. Um, one guy sort of admitted that he'd had an addiction to sort of methamphetamine for a few years. Or there was someone like myself who was just there purely by chance after mm. an injury. And um, so, yeah, different range of people and all donation based. Um, yeah, it was quite cool. And that's that's part of it. It's all about giving and not expecting anything in return, mm. um, which is, I mean, they, they don't even expect a donation. I actually haven't donated yet, but it's, I haven't really known how much or what, what to do yet, so I'm still yeah. working on that. And did you feel more connected to people during the course? or you could, And you, cause you would have had an interesting observation. You mm. mentioned that you haven't spoken to these guys for... 10 days so you build up some kind of idea of what they might yeah, so be like and then when you that final day arrives yeah that was actually really funny um, because you do like we arrived so late we missed the first meeting and there was sort of like a general introduction I think we missed so we didn't get to speak to anyone so for the first nine and a half days literally subconsciously even building up this perception of the person sitting beside you or that you see every day doing hitting rocks or staring at flowers and then on the ninth, on the tenth day at nine thirty, we the noble silence is broken, and you have a chat to this person that you've thought was completely different, and that was a big realization for me. It's like every day I'm doing this, mm. like no matter who the person is, whether you speak to them or not, you're generalizing them or creating these opinions of them, and to actually speak to someone that you've spent ten days with, and for them to be completely different to what you thought was was really cool. Yeah, and it's sort of that opened my eyes a little bit to like a real world situation. Cause that was, that was my thing. It was like, I'm doing all this stuff in this closed environment, but for it, for it to have benefit to myself, it would have to sort of apply to the real world a little bit, um, which was cool. And I looked for that. I looked for those um, links back to the real world. So that was one very, very important one that I found early on in the piece, I guess, well, while I was still, well, I hadn't got back to the real world, but it was sort of that, that shock absorber, I guess, that they called it before you got there. That was, um, it was cool. I liked it. I had a really good experience. Pretty, pretty keen just to hear your, uh, your take on it. And then, so that drive back with Shano, I guess, reflecting on it, what, was there a, cognitive kind of change did you suddenly look at everything a bit differently or was it one thing you took out of it or you're like oh that's just an interesting experience <laughs> or I mean because Shano you mentioned he was deep he was in the zone Shano yeah. was definitely in the zone um it was quite interesting because when I got home um people well mum and dad had been telling people that I was away on this course and everyone was sort of like oh he'll come back a changed man and mum was quite worried so dad played a bit of a prank on her and said that she was away when I got home and he rang her and was like, Tim's home and he's shaved his head, he's turned into a, <laughs> he's turned into a monk. And I could hear mum on the other end of the phone being like, oh God, like, oh no, what, what's happened? We should never have let him go because they were sort of a little bit apprehensive at the start, I guess. I don't know, their generation is not as open to it, I guess. And she kept talking about it as a Mooney camp. I'm not sure if you've heard of that stuff in the States where people would get kidnapped into these cults and whatnot. 
But it was definitely not anything like that, uh. which was cool. But um, was there a realization? Um, the meditation was literally to change the habit pattern of the mind they kept mm. talking about and to start viewing situations without emotion and without sort of craving. So, yeah, definitely a few times since the course, you've sort of noticed yourself acting differently in different situations mm. when someone might get angry towards you or does something that would used to annoy you, you're like, well, what's the point in getting like emotionally involved in that? Like mm. it's, it's not going to help anything or you can't change it. They're, they're angry. Mm. Don't let their, their anger affect you or whatever. But there's definitely been times where it's like, well, that's, that's a noticeable change that I've felt mm. from doing the course. I mean, I don't think I'm a different person. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's changed me as such, but it's definitely given you a sort of new outlook that you can call upon when, when and as you please, I guess. I'm definitely not enlightened or anything. <laughs> I'm not the Buddha yet. Yeah, well, the talk I went to the other morning on depression and one of the guys from um, Live More Awesome, which is kind of a charity, uh, he was talking about the scale. I've got physical health that we're on some kind of level of and, and mental health should maybe be viewed the same. So... You, Mm. You might not be at this super zen state, but you'll be ahead of where you were before and maybe more mindful and maybe have some tools to... For sure. And I guess, I mean, not everyone's done 10 days of... <laughs> like, you've got that experience behind you, which I guess is quite cool. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, every step in the right direction is better than a step in the wrong direction in my mind. Um, so if one time out of ten you can change your decision or your emotion to a situation, then that's then that's better. That's yeah. that's better for the good of you, and it's better for the good of everyone around you. So, I mean, that was what they were saying. You're not obviously going to come out of this course fully enlightened, but every step in the right direction is a good step. Mm. And they wanted they wanted us to continue with the meditation technique, of which I sort of have a few times. Um, but yeah, as you say, you've learned the tool now. So at any stage, I could pick it up and run with it fully or go back and do another course in a few years mm. and, and, and catch back on. But it's cool to know that that tool's there and that, that experiences, those experiences can be had and, and that they're beneficial. Mm. Yeah, I think it's awesome that, you, that, that you've done it at least and yeah, like no practice is, mm. is wasted. Um, no, for sure. It's better than sitting on the couch. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> But it's interesting to go 10 days without any kind of stimulus. Mm. And I think just uh, yeah, have that little bit of detachment. Um, it's an awesome experience. So, yes, now you've got the back brace off. You've done the meditation training. I'm, you, I'm starting to the million dollar man. A, um, a well-rounded gentleman, <laughs> I think. And uh, so what's the... What's the outlook uh, outlook now? So you're working on the rehab for the back. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's not an intensive uh, rehab program, but it's um it's very busy. The physio wants me doing stuff every day in the pool in the gym. Um, it's all little movements first of all, but he promises me that it'll get more exciting and mm. I'll be shifting ten in no time. So <laughs> I hope he's correct. The pain's starting to diminish every yeah. day. It's starting to feel better. So yeah. Looking forward to the day I can go for a run and and clear my mind in a different way, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and I guess that that 
accident hasn't has it made you want to travel has it made you less less risk adverse or has it made you just appreciate doing things more is it has it changed any any way you think about like what you want to do the travel plans you've already got that you had that you want to maybe complete or the I think um my brother said to me as pretty much as soon as I got home, he sort of was like, it's risk versus reward, isn't it? He's like, what was the reward in doing a backflow? I guess a cool feeling or whatever, but it's not like I was trying to show off or put on video yeah. and make millions from it. And the risk, I guess, is quite high. I mean, it has not deterred me from sort of my adventure sports, but I think, as you say, it's, yeah, definitely a bit more mindful of, of the risk and and what the reward is, it stuck with me when CJ said that. But um, no, I think I'll still, hopefully, depending if I can get back to close to 100% of what I was with the injury, then yeah, get back into some adrenaline chasing stuff. <laughs> but just being more mindful of the situation and, and the risks that can occur. I've been pretty lucky throughout, before this injury, to not have actually any injuries really throughout my um, sporting life or whatever. So this is really, yeah it'll make me think before doing stuff next time which is a good thing I think yeah I mean the wrist thing I recently hit my head in India <laughs> and uh, <laughs> on a rock surfing as soon as I knew it wasn't something serious uh, I was pretty stoked that it was just a good wake up call but it actually made me want to um, kind of surf and push the limits a little bit more if anything but just be it I mean, just kind of realize it can go wrong so easily mm. doing. There's always risk there no matter what you're doing. So you might as well be doing the things you enjoy. And if like you oh, love surfing, sure. you, especially those flow sports, which are just, like, it's like a meditation in itself. When yeah. You're, yeah, you have to be right in that moment. Yeah. And all those sports, don't you? Yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. And uh, oh, we've got, I think we've got a couple of holes left in the golf here. Looks like speed might be a... Uh, He's in charge, really, isn't he? He's, he missed a short one before, though, and Grace has not went out of bounds, but we're coming down to the wire in the golf. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think just to recap, if anyone yeah, is wanting to do this, this course, then I highly recommend it. Um, whether you're hugely spiritual or not, I don't think it fully matters. I mean, I went in there with 30 minutes of meditation under my belt and came out with over 100 hours, so... <laughs> yeah yeah um, what do you think I gave you that Headspace app before yeah, which I think is really cool app, so yeah. that kind of it, well, that was it, my 30 minutes yeah my three three 10 minute blocks um, and it was it yeah, gave you some idea yeah it definitely yeah. gave me some idea on it was sort of similar in a way like focusing on the breathing and whatnot. Um, but yeah any sort of time to quiet the mind and just be in the moment is really cool I think just takes that takes you out of that day to day stress and and manic lifestyle that we all seem to be living in yeah. at the moment. So, if you can give yourself ten or twenty or an hour, then it's yeah, it's got to be beneficial for you. I think cool. be beneficial for anyone. I think well, that was the kind of the goal of the podcast was to talk about people who just did did things like experienced, like thought less and experienced more. And um, I think you've been like a good example of that. Timmy kind of jumped jumped straight in there and. Didn't really think it through too much and went with the flow and <laughs> that's come kind out of, the other side. That's and that's kind of exactly what I was talking about not to do before. Was just jump into it and do backflips <laughs> and break your back. But I guess with the mind, I always knew it was going to be 
a good experience, I hear. Yeah. Can't do too wrong. If you didn't believe it, you didn't have to do it. I mean, there was no one there with a stick forcing you to do anything, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I think we'll wrap it up there, so. We'll, we'll watch the last couple of the holes yeah. in the golf unimpaired. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll leave the mics on and do some commentary, but that's uh, <laughs> no, a great result. Appreciate you having you on. No worries, Doug. Thank you. Ripper. <laughs> I'll need to yeah, do the, the passing at some stage myself. Now you got me uh, certainly intrigued. Yeah, you can always find 10 days, I'm sure. All right. It's not too long. No, exactly. In the grand scale yeah, of things. 10 like, days like, in a lifetime. Like yeah, short, short sacrifice if if it really a sacrifice for a yeah long term uh, long term game exactly. So there we have it, episode four of Dug It complete. Um, I hope you, well, I hope you dug it. I hope you got something out of it. Um, actually, I hope you something. I hope you actually lost something in this case. Uh, the Buddha, when asked what what good have you got from meditation or gained from meditation, he replied nothing. However, he said, "Let me tell you what I lost: anger, anxiety, depression, fear of old age, fear of death." So it's not always about what we're getting, but what what we can let go of, what space we can create. Um, and then whether we can sit in that space, I just saw a little post of how easy it is to read meaning into everything we say or do, or everything people say or do. So we create all these stories and it might be right or not, but you know, what can you do if you practice caring less? Um, doesn't mean being careless. It doesn't mean not being kind, but what if we adopted one of the Buddhist, the core Buddhist tenets, and realize that um, that everything is empty. What if you say no to a social invitation? That simply no, it's nothing else. If someone leaves a party early, that it's just them going home. Um, and then what you know, what happens when you can come sit in that space to spend one day caring less, not reading into anything? See if you can feel it for yourself. Feel more relaxed your mind settled, free of the sharks, free of uh, the fear of, of tomorrow, just bringing the peace of today, it's just to be in the present moments is uh, as good a time that you could spend, um, and maybe it's even uh, Tim's little insights pushed you over the edge to try something new, maybe the meditation, maybe the Headspace app, maybe the 10 day full retreat, maybe we're going to jump in the deep end um, and swim with the fish, the big fish. <laughs> and I uh, apologize if any of the audio has been a bit up and down and I noticed it did some auto effect where it cut out the, the music at the start of um, of the, the story with Tim but if you uh, enjoyed it overall um, it'd be great to share it and uh, comments reviews on iTunes um, share on Facebook Instagram you find me at Dugget and Doug Moores on uh, if you just look for Dugget on Instagram and um, 
and Facebook. Uh, I believe my Instagram is Doug.it, but I'm definitely not an IT business. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's all. Hope you have a wonderful week. Um, and look forward to putting up another podcast soon. Got hopefully Andrew Patterson Architects. Um, the army guy who's going to have, good friend, he might have a big job coming up and it might be top secret and he might not better talk about what he's working on. So still hoping to get him on at some stage, but um, plenty more good ones in the pipeline, including Rich Roll coming up. So I might uh, put some Facebook posts out for questions there. If you've got anything you'd like to ask Rich, definitely check out his podcast. It's, uh, it's a ripper. Um, but till then, till the next one. What's, uh, I started with uh, hello in Japanese. I should probably end it since uh, we're on that theme. Google Translate says it's Sayonara. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Or maybe it is Sayonara. Either way, here is my brother Harry, the piano man, playing us out with a bit of piano man. Billy Joel's She's Always a Woman to Me. Think less, experience more, have a wonderful week. Sayonara.